Hey, thanks for saying hi to somebody. And uh, welcome him here and chatting and talking and doing all that. And ready, here we go. Thanks for saying hi to somebody. And uh, uh, welcome. My name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here. If you are watching online right now on Sunday morning or at another time, we're so glad to be gathered with you in this way. Thanks for being with us here. If you're in the room, it's so good to be with you in, in the room today. Uh, this is, we, we said we were going to do something real short there, and, and that didn't end up being very short, but it's so good just to be. Wow. Okay. I cannot see. There we go. Lights are on. I don't, I don't know if that's good for you or bad, but there we go. Hey, uh, I want to do, so here's the deal. I've got, I've got 30 minutes and I'm going to try to pack a ton into to the 30 minutes that I've been allotted here. And I want to do three things. Uh, one is, uh, actually, I'm going to do three things and I'm going to sneak in like a, a three and a half. But um, one is I want you to hear just real briefly from uh, a significant thing that happened this weekend with our Focus Living Weekend on Friday night and Saturday. Uh, so I'm going to bring some folks up on stage in just a moment here, uh, hear for them and pray for them. The second thing I want to uh, open up scripture and the, the, uh, the text that Phil just read a few moments ago, I want us to look at that closely together and, and teach from it and learn from it. Uh, and then I want to pray as we head to communion. Uh, if you have been watching news and what's been going on. We've had some tragedies around our nation, and I want us to pray for that uh, as we head into communion. So those are, those are three things I want to do. Um, before I do that, I want to sneak one thing in. Connor mentioned just giving. I, I want to, again, just um, put in front of us as a church family uh, our giving. We uh, have been provided for regularly, faithfully, consistently by a, a good and gracious God. We as a community, as a church family, give uh, generously and sacrificially and regularly and those are those are all good things one of the things that we've started this year if you're not aware of this is now and next in january kicked off a two-year uh, plan to raise uh, two and a half million dollars and we are what four now four and a half months into that uh, it's going well um, however we did have a very low giving month in the month of april uh, uniquely i think we were somewhere between 65 and 70 percent of our projected giving so that's that's a bit below, uh, and so we, we need to make that up over the course of the next couple months. Um, if you uh, are interested in Now and Next and don't know what that is, uh, you can find out from that table. You can find me. You can email, call, whatever, but um, God has led us into this, this unique kind of almost, we're four and a half months into a two-year process uh, really to, to give a, a lot of money and to do a, a number of things with it. One of them is to best use this space right here uh, and the building that God gave us as we started as a church 18 years ago. And uh, we're well on our way to do that. That's um, uh, Part of that is just using this space so that we can do what we're doing right now. Gather here and gather online as well. And so we needed to do some things uh, just to be able to have the capacity to do that in this space, which opened up our lower level where kids are regularly throughout the week. Um, our high school group meets in here. We've got a... Uh, an AA group of about 150 to 200 men that are in this space every Monday night, uh, and we need to take care of our building. I was sitting with a few pastors uh, from around our city uh, earlier this week. Uh, some that have been in uh, churches are well over 10 years old. They've been in, the pastors have been around for a decade or more, and others who are just planting newer churches that one, two, three years old. And the consistent theme was, how do we leverage buildings that have been gifted to churches that have delayed maintenance and those kinds of things? And 
um, that's one of the things that we're able to do through this process is take care of this space and best utilize it. Um, I, I want to, in, in case you, you're here on uh, Sunday, either here in the room or online, and you look at what's behind me and you go, um, are my eyes going bad? I just want to reassure you that your eyes are not going bad. This screen over here is really clear, and this screen over here is not. And so if that bothers you or if you notice that, I just want to just validate for you that's what you're seeing. It's not your eyes. So, um, well, you can't even see it. Put something up there right now so that I don't look silly up here pointing at blank screens. There you go. So if you can see that difference. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, this screen was going out and almost died, and we had uh, uh, somebody loan us a projector so that we can actually see it, and now this one is starting to go out. So, well, that's good timing. We didn't plan it this way, that's just happening. Um, but we are about four weeks away from our screen getting installed here. We thought initially it would uh, happen by Easter, uh, if that didn't happen. Um, and so we're looking at our actually summer uh, kickoff date, we've said is June 12th, and so it'll, it'll be up there then. So if I can ask you to do this, would you pray that this, this screen makes it, that this projector makes it four more Sundays, uh, and then on June 12th we'll be there. Um, I do want to say thank you to those of you that are giving, that we're able to actually take care of this space and utilize it well. Uh, and again, if you have questions uh, of where we're at or how you can participate in that and commit to, like so many of us have made a two-year commitment for, for now and next. So that's, that's what's coming up and that's what's going on. We've got uh, some gates that are going in around our space just so we can be good neighbors and take care and make a safe space here. Uh, we have some plans for lower level. Our kitchen is getting redone in starting in July, which is super exciting. And we've got uh, some volunteers that are part of our church family that are drawing up plans for what our lower level space will look like for our kids and our students um, in our lower, lower level space here. And we'll be able to show those on June 12th as well. So we're excited about that. So that's all of that. Here's what I want to do. Would you uh, join me in welcoming those that participated in our Focus Living Weekend? Uh, join me up here. If you were a table coach or if you were a participant, would you come on up here? So, I know. Come on. The clapping is, is intended to encourage people who are, are uncomfortable being up on stage up here. So thank you for being up here. So come on, come on. So we had, uh, I think we had 18 participants and then I think we had a handful, five, six, seven table coaches and then um, Kim, uh, one of our pastors, Kim Harris, and then Dallas Lang. Dallas, thanks again. Um, Dallas and Kim taught and led us through the whole weekend. And uh, did we like almost, Justin, would you just leave the stage? Because otherwise we're like color coordinated. It's so just, just, just get off. Um, no, this was not planned. This was, I love that shirt, by the way. That's a good looking shirt. I just took mine off. Mine's in. So, uh, so here's what it is. This is, why this is so significant, why we would bother bringing people up is, um, as, as Connor shared earlier, um, God has called us as a church to, to equip the next generation. Uh, and part of that is equipping ourselves. And so for the last dozen years, we've taken leaders and training through this, and over the last couple of years realized we want to make this available to our entire church. Focused Living is a process that you walk through Friday night and Saturday. There's some pre-work that's a part of it, that you leave with a sense of this is what God has called every person 
that he has ever made to be in relationship with him and to leave you. I have a clear sense of that, a list of values that are uniquely yours, and then a vision statement that is uniquely yours for what God has for you in the next season. Um, we had uh, folks as young as 20 that were a part of this, uh, this weekend uh, up into their 70s, and so we had this multi-generational wide range of people that are gleaning, what is the God calling me into this next season of my life, and how does he want to use me? I'm, I'm going to here, we can do this. If you have a quick snapshot of what you took away from, um, from the weekend, would you kind of raise your hand and, and in a sentence or two say, this is what I took away, and you can volunteer, or I'm just going to start calling on people. Ready, set, go. Nice, Brianna. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Brianna. <clears throat> I would say what I took away from this weekend was um, I grew up in the church, I have a general idea of how Jesus has called me to be um, an extension of his body in this kingdom. Um, but this weekend was really focusing in on what that looks like as a statement. Um, what that, so essentially we created two statements, one that is what you kind of exist as and one that allows you to have action. And so this weekend allowed me to create a statement, craft a statement for myself, um, taking into account all the things that people have spoken into my life over the years, um, and the things that God has done in my life to create a statement that says, that kind of, I can apply to each part of my life, work, family, church, um, the world, and have a better kind of filter lens for how I interact with the world with Jesus as my savior. Awesome, thanks. Yeah. Great, John. So good morning, my name's John and this is uh, actually my first time at Mosaic mm -hmm. Services and I'm really happy to be here. I live close by. Um, Dallas is a friend of mine mm -hmm. and that's how I found, about, found out about Focus Living. Just moved to Portland a couple of years ago, doing a lot of soul searching, trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. I won't go into that whole story, but um, what I really enjoyed was the, um, I'm, I'm a big structure fan, and I really love the process of going through core values and um, first order calling and second order calling. Now, second order calling, what are you supposed to do? And mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time in that space. First order calling, how am I supposed to be? That was, that was really relational. I mean, it really mm -hmm. fit, hit me hard. And I really appreciate that. So in my takeaway, first order calling. That's great. So we had, uh, is anybody else? I'm Kim. One of the things that I found particularly um, impactful was we did this in groups, and we were in those groups the entire time, and we each had a table leader that kind of helped facilitate uh, the process. But what was especially cool was as we would share with each other some of the things we were processing and the, the, what, the thoughts that were coming out and the way we were kind of trying to write out these callings, we were able then to speak into each other's lives, which was really, um, I think, not only encouraging, but affirming to hear someone say, I'm struggling to know if this is my calling and for someone else who knows that person then to say but I've seen that in you mm -hmm. I can affirm that that is a part of your calling because I've I can bear testimony to it and so that that part of it that um, relational aspect I think was really meaningful as well great 
So, uh, again, thank, thank you for letting me put you on the spot and being willing to, to, uh, to share. Um, one of the things that um, we get to celebrate in this moment is that uh, our vision as a church is that we would disciple people, that they, that they would be equipped to serve and, and know who God's created them to be and to make a difference in this world. Uh, as Brianna mentioned, kingdom, like Jesus is bringing his kingdom and we want to be a part of that. Uh, and so we want to constantly be sending people into, into our city where God is, has placed us and, and called us. And so this is a key step in how we're doing that as a church. And so we've had, uh, again, I think we had 18 go through it um, and uh, we get to watch them and celebrate them as they take another step in that process. I've asked uh, uh, Terry to pray just for this crew. And I also, uh, thanks again to those of you that were table hosts and for Dallas and Kim for teaching us and leading us through it. But we really appreciate the role that, that you played and served in all of us. So Terry, would you pray for, for these? I have to say first, having done Focus Living 12 years ago, I believe, I began to wonder yesterday at my table, hmm, Lord, are you changing my calling? And I did some journaling and I realized, wow, he's expanded my hmm. calling. Hmm which is such a beautiful thing. He's continuing to call me to use the same gifts, but in a new and expanded way. And that's my prayer for all of you, that you see yourselves and your ministry and your calling expands. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're so good to us. Thank you for the lavish love that you pour out on us and the way your spirit calls us to you. I thank you for each person here and for their obedience to hear your call. And um, I just pray, Lord, that you will continue to give them clarity in this calling, that you will give them courage to step out and love others with the gifts and talents that you've given them in their specific calling. Thank you for your goodness towards us, and we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Fantastic. Uh, let me put a date on your radar. Um, October 14th and 15th will be the next Focus Living. And um, I, if I can just encourage you to uh, actually remember that date. It's a Friday night and Saturday. And it's really easy uh, to watch other people take a significant step and think that's really good for them. I don't know that that's me at all. Again, as young as 20 up into 70s. That includes most every single one of us in this room, um, that this can be a helpful process and experience to clarify who God has made you, how he wants to use you in his kingdom for his purposes in this world in some way. So October 14th and 15th, we're all invited. Uh, it'll be a great opportunity to participate uh, in Focus Living in the future. So um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray again, and then we're going to look at those verses that we read together earlier. So would you pray with me? God, again, this is, this is your time and you're here, you're present. We are stepping into, into your space and your time. And so we ask that you would meet us here, um, that we would have an awareness and a bigger vision of who you are, your very character, that you're a God of love and of power, of grace and of mercy, that you're a God of justice and goodness. And so we want to declare you as that in this place in this world, the creator of everything. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to work and move in this time. Would you stir us to new awareness and new life? Would you convict us? Would you comfort us? Would you work in this time? And Jesus, we sang just a little while ago that you do not fail us, 
And there was words in that song that said that we're glad, and it's hard at times when things are difficult to say that we're glad. And so would you show up right now, reveal yourself to us, work in our time and our space, speak to us as we look to your word, the words that are recorded in the scripture from you. Would you teach us and guide us and lead us in this moment right now? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So I want to... Um, you, we've, we've had this, if, you, if you've had a, a close friendship, a relationship with a, uh, actually not even a close friendship, this is true even of, of working relationships, where you've had a, a friend or a boss or somebody that you're around has pulled you aside and said, hey, we need to have a conversation. Uh, we need to talk. And it's not like the, oh, you want to tell me all the things that I'm awesome at. It's not one of those. It's one of the ones of like, okay, I've got to deliver some information to you that might not be comfortable. And they kind of give you a warning, which we don't like, and that's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. That's not a good feeling, but we certainly appreciate that in, in, as compared to just being surprised, and I need to tell you this right now. So a little bit of heads up and saying, okay, this is coming, and it's not comfortable. It's a little unsettling, but okay, at least I know, and it's going to come at like a half an hour or tomorrow night or next day when I show up at the office or whatever it might be. I, I want a heads up. Um, we're going to read some verses from Jesus that really would be nice if we had a heads up and he just kind of jumps right into it and doesn't give us a heads up. And in doing so, there's this, there's this shock of this is true, this rings true, and yet I'm unsettled with it a little bit and I'm not even sure what to do with it. The verses that we're going to look at right now come uh, after Jesus has gotten done saying some really radical things that call human beings to live in a very different way. A very different way. And we use this term kingdom, and maybe you've heard that before. You just heard it as Brianna talked, and as, as, I, as I mentioned it again. But Jesus is saying there's a way of existing in this world that is different than the rest of the world, and it's a way that's going to bring hope, goodness, and healing. And Jesus is saying, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm trying to do. And so we exist in this space, and Jesus says, I'm bringing a different way of living and existing. And he's gotten done teaching that the, the, the teaching, as we're reading in Luke, is called the Sermon on the Plain, or a flat space out in a pasture somewhere. And he's teaching these radical things that people are hearing, and he's telling them, live in this way, do these things. And then he stops and he just says, and here's some true stuff. And it's a little unsettling. And so we're going to read these verses again, and then, and then three things. What is it that Jesus is saying? The second thing is, is how has what he's been directing them to do impact how we deal with these verses? And then third, What's the priority that Jesus has? Jesus is revealing a priority that he has that we can take on, that we can be aware of. So here's the verses again. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 43, 44, and 45 say this. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, a good woman, brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil man or an evil woman brings evil things out of the good stored up in their heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I had a friend who knew that I was teaching on these, these verses this week and um, I got, uh, and thank you again, I got uh, last minute surprise tickets to the Timbers game last night. Um, and he knew I was going. And he's like, oh, that's perfect. You'll go to the Timbers game and you'll hear what is chanted there. And then you can come on Sunday morning and talk about all the things that the, the Timbers Army says that you don't want your kids to hear. <laughs> we won last night seven to two. 
there was no cursing. It was all just good stuff. There was all, if you've ever been to a Timbers game, a match, a thing where they play, I don't know which one is, and they, they just all cheered good things. There was no, there was no cursing, um, which is, is just kind of funny and entertaining. But anyways, there's that, that's how, that's how the, the game went. 7-2 is fantastic. This, this is talking about, Jesus is saying something that is just true. It's not a complex thing. There's no like nuance to, 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 to twist this or, or change it. It is what it is. It says that good trees bear good fruit that bad trees bear bad fruit, that the fruit that comes out of a tree helps us identify, know what it is, name it. We talked last week about judging, to name it, to determine it, say this is what it is. You look at the fruit, you know what kind of tree it is. That's not a hard concept. When it comes to then relating that to personally, what Jesus is saying, the first thing he's saying is here's a truth, that a person, and not just, not just a person, but more specifically, their character, my character, your character, my character, your character, our hearts, our character heart, a person, their character heart is recognizable by the course of their life. That if you look at their life, you can tell what kind of person they are. That's not a hard concept. Where I think it becomes unsettling or uncomfortable is we don't want to be tied to that. We don't want to be limited to that. We don't want to be defined by that. We want to somehow squirm away from that to say, no, I, don't, I haven't been as good as I want to be. I want to be better. I want to be known as somebody better, and I'm not. And so does that make me a, a bad person? What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, and if you look at the totality of somebody's life or the, the rhythms, the normal trajectory of their life, not that that's determined, not that that's fixed and can't change, but as you look at that and assess it, that reveals their character and heart. Those things are not, are, cannot be separated. They are tied together. That to me is unsettling. I'm uncomfortable with that. I wish it wasn't true. I wish there was a, there was like a, um, uh, an out in some way. It, it, it is, it does mean this. If you think of a of taking a picture. We've all, we've all, we take multiple pictures every single day. A, a picture is a, is a still capture of a, of a moment in, in time, right? Uh, uh, actually, let's do this. Can we just, once and for all, you can solve this for me. Is it GIF or JIF? I'm hearing GIF. GIF, okay, it's not JIF. I knew it. Um, okay, GIF. So a pick or a gif. A gif is, I don't know how many seconds long a gif can be, but not very long, right? It can't, it can't be, it's short. If you take a still picture, if you take a, have a gif of somebody's life, that's a very limited perspective, correct? In fact, when we see those, we, we naturally, our mind gravitates towards, I want more, I want to see more, I want to widen the picture, I want to see what happened before or after or what's out of the frame, I can't see if it's a, oh, dang it. What is it? GIF. There's just no T. It's gift with no T. Okay, GIF. If it's a GIF, we go, I, went, I wish it was just a few seconds longer. That's like, that's not what Jesus is talking about. We all do things that we wish weren't captured in a picture or that we could just delete out of our lives. It was a few moments and we made a bad call. That is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about like the, the, the drama that you just binge watched, that's binge watched, that's, a, that's an hour long and you watch like 10, 12, 14 episodes of something and there's character development and you're watching it and you now know the people, you know what it's like. Or if there's a particular sitcom that you are a fan of and you watch over and over, and there's not just one season, but maybe there's seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. You've watched it maybe 
Maybe one time all the way through when it was live, say in the 90s, and then, you know, now it's like on HBO or something, and you've watched it through again, and then you started over and watched it through again, and now you've watched it maybe three or four times all the way through all 10 seasons, and you know personally, like on a friendship level, Joey Tribbiani, like you know them, you know what they're like, you know how they function, that's friends if you don't know what that is, and I have a, I know of somebody who's done that. Um, that's what Jesus is talking about. You know the course of, you know the contrary, you know how, how they live and the, the, this, the, the regular ongoing, you, it's predictable. This is who they've been and it's not just a, a still shot, but it's the, it's the longevity of their, of course, the trajectory of their life, the patterns, the predictable, this is who they are. There has been revealed. When we step out of and get past the, oh, I made this one mistake that, that just stirs up shame for me, or this one thing happened, and, and I wish that would be different. I wish I could change that one moment of my life. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, a tree that is bad in its roots, and when its seed was planted that it was bad, and it's gotten sick, it produces bad fruit. At the roots, it's good. It's produce, it produces good fruit, that it's a good thing, that those things are tied together. They're not something, that is, it, it's maybe not a comfortable concept, but it's a truth that Jesus just says, this, this is what it is. I'm taking a, 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 a truth from nature or agriculture and just saying, this is a human reality. Human beings exist in this way. What is on the inside eventually comes out and is seen on the outside. Now, if that is true, and Jesus is saying it is true, and I think we know that that's, that's true. We actually treat people that way. If you think about who you trust in your life, you do not trust people who have consistently let you down. The trajectory of their life, the regular episode by episode, season by season, as a series as a whole, that they let you down, you don't trust them. That's the fruit of their life. That's who they know them to be. Likewise, the people that you trust, that you rely on. If you have an emergency, if you have a need in a moment and you can call them. If you're having a particular difficult day and they can listen to you and care for you and be present with you, they've proven that over time. That's the fruit of their life. That's good. Jesus is saying this is a reality. What he, Jesus has done in the verses just prior to this is to give us some directions on how we interact with this reality of who we are. It gives us some direction, some help, some clarity on how we interact with this reality. One of the things he has said is just a few verses earlier, he said in, uh, it's verse 31, he says this, and I'm sorry it's not on the screen, um, but it, um, you've heard it before. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The fruit of our lives reveals our character, our heart. And so Jesus is saying, if you're looking at the fruit of your life, do good things to other people because that's what you want done to you. Simple, right? Simple. I mean, challenging. Challenge, simple concept, difficult to live out. Jesus is saying, live this way for others. That's the first thing. The second thing he says is, it was, that was two weeks ago. Last week we looked at this one when talking about judging others. He says, first, judge yourself. The concept of a speck in somebody else's eye when we have a plank in our eye. You've heard that before. It's words of Jesus. He says, don't look at the speck in somebody else's eye, the flaw in their life, the thing that they've done wrong, when you haven't even looked at your own life. Take assessment of your own life first. And what he's saying is, judge yourself. Jesus is actually inviting us to judge ourselves first. As you hear that, hear this also. 
When Jesus is encouraging us and calling us to judge ourselves first, he is doing that immediately after he has said, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Be gracious to other people and do not judge them. And be generous in how you treat other people. Listen to this carefully. Be merciful, be gracious, be generous. Judge yourself. Do not miss that. When Jesus is calling us to judge ourselves, to make a determination on the plank in our own eye, to make a determination of how we see how we're living, not just the outward thing of how we're treating other people, but our character and our heart. As we judge ourselves, we are to do so mercifully, graciously, and generously. In the same way that Jesus is treating us, would we treat ourselves that way? When you hear, judge yourselves first, it does not mean dig a giant cistern of shame and put yourself in it and assess yourself. That is not what he's saying. He's saying take an honest assessment of who you are, but do so mercifully, graciously, generously, as you would treat other people. Treat yourself that way too. Do not be overly harsh on yourself. Do not beat yourself up. Why? Because that's not how our creator God treats us. He's honest with us. He calls out sin and when we've done things wrong. But he always does it with a sense of hope, a future, healing, and grace. And so when we judge ourselves, we're to do so mercifully, graciously, and generously. Now, Jesus has just gotten done setting those two things up. Treat others how you would have them treat them. So your outward behavior, what you're known for, your fruit, be good to others. Then, first, judge yourself before you judge others. Take an assessment of yourself. What Jesus is setting up here is how to interact with and, and have this be a good and redeeming message that the fruit of our life reveals our character. And here's what's important. Listen to this carefully. Jesus is demonstrating that he cares about how we treat other people. He cares about the outward expression of our life. He cares about the cumulative fruit of how we're known. Jesus cares what our reputation is. He cares if other people trust us if other people find, find us reliable, if other people find us good. Jesus cares about that. What does our outward behavior look like? How are we known? He cares about that. And at the very same time, he cares about our heart and our character. He cares about what is inside. Now listen to this. He cares about both of those. Jesus' priority, he has an order for these two things. He has one that is more valuable than the other one. He has one that is of first importance and then one that is second importance. And the first importance, Jesus' priority, is what's on the inside. What is on the inside? Our heart, our character. Jesus cares about what other people can't see inside of you before he cares about what people can see on the outside. That should both give us peace and hope and confidence and absolutely frighten us. Because Jesus can see. Jesus can see what's going on inside of us. He knows exactly all of our thoughts and our feelings, our fears, our thoughts that we wouldn't want anyone else to know. But at the very same time, he knows us personally and intimately. He knows us better than anyone else knows us. He even knows us better than we know ourselves. So at the very same time, all of the things that you want hidden, Jesus can see. 
and he's not going anywhere, and he knows us, and he loves us, and he says, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I love you, and I care about who you truly are more than how anyone else knows you or how you're known, or how you behave, or how you're assessed, or what your resume says, or what your track record says. I care about you more than all of that, and I know you more than all that. Jesus prioritizes our heart. The very kind of executive center of who we are, our character, the part that actually determines the fruit of our life, the trajectory of our life. Jesus cares about that first and foremost. Matthew chapter 7 is the tail end of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And picture this for a moment. Jesus is standing not on a mount, but a, a field. Sermon on the plain, pasture. As we're reading through in Luke right now. There's very similar teaching done in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And it's known as the, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's longer. But a lot of the themes are the same, and some of the words are exactly the same. And if you can think about it this way, Jesus would travel around and teach those that would listen. And there were a lot that would listen. And they would follow him, and they would bring their sick. And it says that Jesus would heal them, and that power went out from him. And then when people heard him speak, they said he speaks with authority. And so Jesus would, people would come around Jesus and listen to him, whether he was standing on a field or on a, on a mount, on a hill. And these crowds would listen to him. And he would teach the same themes and the same kinds of thing. And in Matthew, we have almost the exact same words. And he says it when he talks about trees bearing fruit, and a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And trees are recognized by their fruit. And he says it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. We don't, we don't find that in Luke, do we? That's different language. Watch out for false prophets. Watch out for people who are deceiving you. Watch out for people who are living one way in front of you, but then who they are is disconnected from that. Watch out for people who are presenting one thing, but who they really are is different. He says this, watch out for false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing. They come looking like sheep. They come in sheep's clothing. But who they are is ferocious wolves. But who they are, and in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says who they are inwardly are ferocious wolves. Who they are on the inside, who they really are, are ferocious wolves. A tree is recognized by its fruit. We're called not to be false prophets. We're called not to be ferocious wolves who present as something else. He says, those are, those are snapshots. Those are gifts. But, but who they are over the course of their life, over many, many years and episodes, over many seasons, are ferocious wolves, and they'll be found out. He says, I care about inwardly, because that will determine the course of our life. And so while paying attention to how we treat one another, how we behave, Jesus cares about. But what he cares about even more is what's going on the inside. And so our question and where we need to meet Jesus in this is how do we focus on the inside? How do we do that? While at the same time valuing how we treat other people. But we're not to focus just on modifying our behavior. 
That can, that can play a role, that can be part of it, that can help, we can know. But if that's what our first priority is, we'll miss the heart. And so yes, pay attention. Be careful how we treat one another. Assess how we're behaving, but more importantly, what is going on in our heart? And it is moments like these right now that God begins to work on the heart. That we actually slow down. Isn't it fascinating that, that throughout scripture we have this invitation to slow down? It's called Sabbath. It's called rest. And we get a giant F minus as a, as a culture when it comes to slowing down. We are miserable at it. And we avoid it. But one of the invitations is to slow down. And what we're doing right now, believe it or not, is actually slowing down. I'm rushing a little bit because I've got 30 minutes and I need to wrap up. But even this practice of saying on Sundays at whatever time, at 10 a.m., I'm going to take an hour, an hour and 15, an hour and 30 minutes just to just to be in God's presence. I'm going to be with other people and there's stuff going on, but this is actually gearing down. Taking time throughout your week where you say, I'm not going to schedule something, I'm just going to sit. I'm going to listen to, to Jesus and it's going to, it's going to be unsettling because I don't, I don't hear him speak when I do that sometimes. I'm going to take time and, and read his word and, and sometimes, gosh, he's going to speak to me so clearly through it and other times I'm going to be confused and not know what I'm reading. But I'm going to stop and gear down and pause and create space and say, God, nobody's watching me right now. Nobody's assessing how I'm behaving. This is just me and you. And I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to let you reveal to me my heart and my character. And maybe, and God, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but there might be a plank in my eye that I need you to point out to me. And maybe you'll lead me to a few other people, and I'll go to them, their trusted friends, over the course of many, many days and years and time that I can trust them and ask them to speak into my life as well. And they'll give me feedback and they'll help me see. But I'm gonna create some space and let you speak to me. Another way to do it is what we're gonna do right now and that's take time to come to the table and to walk to one of these tables with communion elements and the juice represents Jesus Christ's blood shed for us. The bread represents his body broken for us. If you're at home, if you'd grab those elements too and, and join with us. But we're going to take time and, and, and walk to these, these tables that are off to the side of the room and, and be, be reminded that there's a creator God of the universe who sent his son, who lived, died, and rose again, gave his life for you and I, fully knowing our heart and our character, who we are, and yet still choosing, I love you, I'm going to give my life for you. The other thing I want to do, and I mentioned earlier, is I, I want to take a moment to, to pray. Um, if you've seen the news, there's 10 people killed in Buffalo. Apparently a white 18-year-old young man drove several hours and intentionally into a black neighborhood and killed 10 people and injured another three. It's hard to have a, a way to assess that. It's, it's hard to know, is that a... Is that a snapshot and a gif? Or is that the fruit of his life that was years in the coming? I don't know. It's not my role to judge him. But it raises the, the very real issue that there's evil in this world. There was a shooting in Milwaukee a couple nights ago. There was a shooting in Los Angeles. As you know, we have shootings regularly in our city. And unfortunately and tragically, we're on track to break a homicide record that was set in our city last year and so 
as we come to this communion table, we come knowing that we live and exist in a broken world where we, we can see the trajectory is not a trustworthy one, that is a violent one and a painful one. And so we want to pray that the God who sent his son and gave his life for us would come and be more real in us and in our heart and our character, in our lives and in our world and in our city. And so would you join me in praying right now and then we're going to sing and worship and come to these tables together. God, each and every one of us needs your mercy. Each and every one of us needs your grace. And God, as I say that and, and know that it's true, I, I have to face my own reluctance to extend mercy and grace to others. And so God, we, we cry out for your mercy and your grace to break into this world more and more. Jesus, we need your power that we've read about in Luke that was poured out on that plane to people who need healing. In that field where you were teaching that people were restored and made whole. And we have lives that are lost and broken today in Buffalo. And we ask for your supernatural healing. We, we can't do it. We can't make a law, a policy, or anything that will change the human condition. We need you. And so we declare that we are fully aware that we live in a world that is not right and that we need you to make it right. We ask that violence would decrease, that safety would increase, that you would conquer fear, that you would instill peace. And we humbly lament that we cannot do that on our own. We've tried and tried and tried and we, we fall short and we fail. Holy Spirit, would you show up in a powerful way? Would you help us? Would you heal us? And Jesus, as we come to your table now, we ask you to meet us here in this moment of being paused and open and listening to you.